new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. It's a beautiful day to podcast here, and we love doing it. I uh, wanted to say thank you to everybody listening, and again, hope you enjoy this episode. On today's show, we have Dr. Kimberly R. Moscato, and she wears many hats in addition to her role as a psychologist. Dr. Moscato has worked in the fields of mental behavioral health, having supervised outpatient clinics and other therapeutic programs, as well as higher education for over 20 years. She holds a license to practice psychotherapy in the state of California. Her primary focus is on women's issues, in particular navigating life's big transitions, as well as treating trauma, anxiety, and grief slash loss. She integrates many areas of her training and experience, including traditional talk therapies with art, dream work, hypnotherapy, meditation, and somatic approaches. As for research and writing, Dr. Moscato's most recent publication is Extraordinary Dreams, Visions, Announcements, and Premonitions Across Time and Place. Uh, So she gives presentations and leads workshops nationally and internationally, and her website and blog can be found at www.consciouschimera.com. Dr. Kimberly, welcome. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. It's amazing to finally get a chance to meet you. I'm, uh, as we were talking prior, I'm just wrapping up writing an article on the miscarriage and stillbirth data that I had in my PhD. And one of those things I thought that was really interesting when I was doing it was that some of the dreams had the, this like the, this bond being formed, right? With the, mm-hmm. with the baby. And your work came up in the sense of looking at, these announcing dreams. I never even heard of that term before. And so I was super excited to read what you what you had for your your own PhD. And then to get you on the podcast to talk about it more, I think it's just an amazing occurrence that I'm really excited to to have you on. It's a really exciting phenomena. Uh, it's you know for for mothers, it's something that the mothers I, I've come across that spoke about their announcing dreams hold really, really close to their heart. Yeah, and that's the big thing, right? Like so I was looking at these dreams after the death, but if you look at even just pregnancy dreams in general, that's sort of where you get these. And so what what happened for you to get into that? Because it's not like everyone was researching this and you're like, ooh, this is cool. It's like, I think that there must have been something or how did you figure out that this was a thing? Yeah, that's right. So when I was gathering um, research for the dissertation, I was kind of just swimming in the dark. There, there wasn't much out there. And most of it was pop books that had a bit of a, a religious orientation. And so it, it helped me realize, okay, that phenomena is out there. And then they're also mentioned in Dr. Ian Stevenson's work in reincarnation. So it was from talking and reading to some of these people that I could access at the time, plus uh, my cousin had a couple powerful announcing dreams. One right uh, pretty quickly after the other. The first one reflected a miscarriage that was about to happen. And then the second one, she was able to relax because that baby in her dream told her he was sticking around. So um, it was all of those things, the reincarnation research, the the um, more uh, popular kind of religious writings on it, and then actually talking to people, the first one being my cousin, that made me go, huh, this is a really interesting phenomena. 
I was also interested in pre and perinatal psychology and took a couple years of doctoral work uh, in those types of courses. So I was interested in this beginning of life experience that people were having that were kind of, you know, on the fringe. Well, that's so interesting that your cousin even had it too. That's, uh, I've heard it uh, every now and then, and I've collected some, some dreams of expecting parents that had these dreams and said like some of them are like they get told that there's a miscarriage occurring or did, that has happened and so that's so interesting she had both and then this one the the mm -hmm. baby says i'm sticking around that's so wild <laughs> so well the the first one uh, if i recall correctly uh, this this is mentioned in my book extraordinary dreams but i'd have to look to get the exact details what uh, i do recall her telling me is that the the she was pregnant but the first dream the baby came and said i'm not your baby and she just woke up after that and then a miscarriage followed shortly after the second dream where the baby stuck around um in the dream uh the baby actually announced his name wow that's interesting so the baby named itself does uh in your in your i guess um research do people, when that happens, do they name the child that? Or do people say, nah, I don't like that name, and then, <laughs> and then go some other direction? I've, I've talked to women who um, have had both. So one woman um, had a lucid dream with her baby-to-be, and the baby said, uh, wanted to be named Peter, and she said no in the lucid dream. Uh, and did not name the baby Peter. And then in other cases, they did name the baby uh, from what either they sensed or heard, you know, auditorily in the dream. So uh, I've I've seen it both ways. Uh, so that one woman that said no, you could already tell she's uh, <laughs> she's going to be a parent that sets her boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. <laughs> you want that candy? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, you know what's interesting too? I, uh, I found a really old article. I think it was in like 1980s or something. The article was published. And there were people would, would travel to Holy Lands, like Jewish individuals travel to Holy Lands to get the name of the child. And so what would happen would be they're looking for this dream from a saint, one of the saints they follow, and the saint usually mm -hmm. gives them the name, which I think is really interesting. So that goes with what you're saying how like naming is a part of these announcing dreams. Yeah, that's so, so awesome. Tai Mong is uh, an interesting phenomena too. It's a Korean birth dream. And they, they pronounce it Tai Mong. And yeah, that, that isn't, from my understanding, isn't necessarily providing the name, but instead providing the characteristics of the child. And so that's, that's a, uh, also an interesting phenomena where dreams, whether they are, coming from your own recollection or a family member, sometimes a friend or even a community member can provide information about what this child might look like, might be like, or what they'd like to be called. So announcing dreams are, um, yeah, really, really interesting. But of course, announcing dreams can, that term can be used to announce other things as well, <laughs> not just the the birth of a child, but or the conception oh. even of a child. So, so that that that's an interesting. It's an interesting name. I I when I think of announcing dreams, you know, I do talk about it and in my di dissertation, use that word to just define it 
uh, around these types of phenomena we're you know speaking of. Uh, but some have reminded me, hey, dreams announce a lot of things, not just uh, not just the birth of a of a child. Interesting. So, like, what and, else? Well, <laughs> to connect it, I would say uh, preconception. You know, even before conception. Uh, some around conception and some during the pregnancy, sometimes before the person knows they're pregnant and after. But then also announcing dreams can maybe announce uh, a death or a tragedy or something like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I just thought it was just for the, uh, the unborn child, too. So uh, I've learned something. <laughs> uh, and the announcing dreams get real particular when uh, you look at the reincarnation research of even Ian Stevenson. That's, you know that uh i don't think i could explain it very well so i'll let i'll let uh, you know you or, or the listeners um uh, go into that uh you know down the rabbit hole on the internet but it's really interesting how dreams are understood uh, especially in india many other cultures but also in india and how they're linked to the belief of reincarnation it's really fascinating oh that's so interesting so they would have a dream rather than saying the person's name they would say or the future the future name or what they want to be named they maybe talk about their past life or who they used to be and that's yeah oh, wow. mm -hmm. yeah things like that yeah it gets into that type of phenomena where the, yeah where they came from who they are who they maybe have belonged to before where they lived yeah that's super interesting and there's definitely some mystery surrounding that and and, and a lot of um vagueness but but yeah there there's a lot of recorded right. events of that actually happening i just recently read a story about a child in india i think 19 late 1930s uh, i think she was like three or four when she started talking about a past life and uh started really recalling some really clear memories like specific events like yeah i was married this was his name this is the house we lived in and a lot of that stuff was confirmed and i was like wow and it and it has happened in American stuff, but yeah, like it happens more so, or or at least the stories are, the stories come out more so in the places where reincarnation is more prevalent, like India or, or parts of other parts of Asia, and less so yeah, in America. Yeah, which is which is really odd. But yeah, dreams would tie into that if if you know because of the mystery of it and just like how does that even happen? Right, right. Yeah, it does. It does open doors to the great mystery. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what, you know, the world would be like without dreams. Have you ever thought about that? Like, would we have religion? Would anything like, because when I see dreams, I see this connection to a lot of ideas within religion, like reincarnation, like the soul, like all this other stuff, right? I wonder, did you ever think about what life would be like if we just never dreamt? You know, no, I haven't, actually. That's interesting, because I'm kind of always going, what would it be like if we all dreamt and remembered more? I'm going in the, almost the exact opposite direction. But no, I, I haven't thought about that. That's a really interesting point, because so many of um, the dreams um, have been connected to religious points of view. Um, and I'm thinking even, you know, Archangel St. Gabriel's announcement, you know, of the uh, of the Annunciation. So dreams, yes, are definitely in uh, a lot of religious literature. And without those, who, yeah, who knows how, what we'd be like, how society would be. Yeah, if you really think about it too. That like, brings up a good question. In the, uh, it was in the Bible, there was, uh, I think that's what you're talking about, right? When like Joseph gets told 
that Mary was pregnant and that not not to break up with her yeah. <laughs> more or less right? like, don't fear dude it, yeah it was, uh, it was god don't worry but like if he didn't have that dream then the story would have changed right on what would definitely happen. would have changed yeah and a lot yes. he ran from a lot of the troubles because of you know these precog dreams and stuff so yeah i always like that's the one thing i i wonder because i'm like would religion even survive without these dreams because it reinforces a lot of the ideas people have and especially in times of grief and sorrow you can really see people are just at the the wits end and these dreams are the things that really help them to continue their faith and also move forward so i'm like i wonder like would we like as grief itself what would grief look like without if no one dreamt yeah and i think you can go even further back and say like even uh cavemen and like you know early humans like I would imagine dreams help them kind of progress further, whether it's getting ideas or, or you know, looking up at the sky and, and seeing, you know, gods and the stars or whatnot. I mean, and play, I think it plays into creativity as well in a lot of in a lot of ways. I, I agree. Dreams, um, you know, I, I hold that notion that dreams come in service and that are a form of guidance. So historically, dreams all across the world, across time, have really guided people whether it's knowing uh where the where to go for the hunt you know whether it's connecting with um deceased ancestors whether it's being given a warning of a tragedy to come so those precognitive types of dreams i mean there's there's so much there well like just thinking about you right sean like if you go back caveman times or just you know really 200 years ago (laughs) (laughs) before the internet how people survived right <laughs> how do they survive without google and uh how they make the medicine right in the indigenous cultures they get a lot of uh, dream like dreams really help them with that aspect and you, like would we even have survived the way we have you know like especially with we have evolved yeah even evolved in general and mm-hmm. so like in mm-hmm. your in your i guess your book um, when you looked at all these dreams like what are your thoughts on like sort of the evolutionary aspects of these dreams well, yeah, I, I do align with that. I think dreams, uh, you know, the evolutionary theory, I, I think dreams do help us evolve for sure. And again, it's all those things that I was talking about earlier and also those things you just named, um, especially, you know, with uh, medicines and knowing what plants to combine, where to find things. So uh, definitely, yeah, dreams are, are here to help us evolve, to serve us, to bring yeah, us like- uh, in the direction of growth. Yeah, and I think it adds to like just like like we're talking about the idea of expanding thought. Who's that one person who thought it'd be a good idea to like you know eat a poisonous mushroom or like eat eat something until they figure out it's not poisonous? You know, I think mm-hmm. ideas ideas can come from dreams, and a lot of them do. So I think like it takes that one interesting person in a village who has a dream about something, and then they just move the whole civilization forward. You know, move their community, and as a result, move the civilization. Like one person in a community figures out a better way to hunt, you know, whatever X animal. And then that just changes the whole game or like comes up with a better way to like, you know, fashion a weapon. And then mm-hmm. there that just makes, you know, that whole community better than the next one. And there's evolution happening right there. But yeah, I mean, we don't even know. But I think I think uh, dreams play a huge part. Absolutely. And, you know, we have evidence of some of those things in you know, cave art and, and early, early writings. So who, yeah, we, we might not be nearly as evolved 
without our dreaming self. And also thinking about, like you said, the caveman days before the internet, <laughs> when we were more connected with the earth, people were, I'm sure, recalling their dreams and having rich experiences much more frequently. Um, yeah. Now, right, nowadays we're so, we're so disconnected from the natural cycles. We sleep differently. We follow a clock and a schedule. It's just a, it's a completely different world. That's they almost incomparable. Point. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. You know, you have the, I would imagine the mental clarity, you know, at mm -hmm. night and during the day to kind of pick up and your perceptions are heightened. And like on the other note of like art, like some of the first art that was found done by humans were actually, you know, funeral art. It was like a memorial type of art and jewelry. Um, so, you know, I think that plays into um, I mean, they were probably having dreams as well as the people that had died. So I think that's fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, thinking about dreams uh, of the deceased, who knows how this world really works, right? How, how these dimensions operate, but we can even continue uh, the relationships with them, you know, after death through things we might do here in the waking state and kind of communicate that back and forth through the dream state so uh, some of it of course is beyond you know just uh, you know maybe small recollection but when we have greater consciousness in dreams heightened lucidity even um, not only might we recall something we want to say to that deceased person we may want to call them in we may want to have an interaction with them sometimes with those types of dreams it's been noted that a deceased person will tell someone a family secret that the rest of the group didn't know or where to find something. So, you know, we could look at that as maybe a type of evolution as well. Yeah, we could talk for hours on the subject. I, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to go back to one thing you said. You said you've always, you've thought about if everyone dreamt. So what, did, what would that world look like? Because I'm thinking oh, about that wow. now, if we all just dreamt and had these like rich dreams, I'm like, well, no one would care about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be one thing. <laughs> yeah. That would definitely be one thing. But yeah, I, I wonder about that. If we all, let's say if we were all dreaming of our babies to be, what would that mean of how we behave and how we take care of the planet? What would it mean if we're all dreaming about deceased loved ones? Would our grief be the same? Would we think about living every day in a different way? How would we be with dying? Because many people in this in this culture here don't, in kind of a modern Western culture, don't really talk about death. And yeah. it's often feared, you know. Every, everything I think would be so different. As, uh, and then I'm thinking of dream rehearsal, rehearsing skills in dreams and things like that, you know, precognitive dreams to warn us of things we shouldn't do. So what, what, a, what a different world it would be. I think we'd see a lot of different human behaviors, you know? Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think for sure it would help people, like maybe have a, like, have people feel that they have more guidance in life like if they if they obviously understand and respect their dreams and go in and maybe seek guidance out of uh loved ones and people who've passed or even whatever other characters in their dreams 
but yeah and as well i think it would alleviate some concerns about death i think some fears around death uh would most likely be alleviated yeah i agree and um i was gonna share with you a dream i'm just uh looking to find it here in my notes it's a dream that connects uh yeah here we go um a dream that i was going to share from my research that connects uh kind of the two worlds where a person might dream of the baby coming in as in the same dream a deceased person is present as well and i don't have a lot of examples of those but uh, i found it really interesting that this happens so in this story um, can i share that with you now yeah okay so uh in one dream a pregnant woman was pushing like her you know her newborn baby in a little baby carriage um, just kind of down a path, passing groups of people sitting on benches. And then the dreamer noticed that one of those people happened to be her deceased uncle. And so I, I find that really interesting too, how if we're having, if people, more and more people recall dreams and would be having dreams like that, what would that mean for this, mm, like, like full circle, you know, this kind of pre-birth type of communication, perhaps an after-death communication, and what would that mean for how we see and view existence, uh, you know, and view what it, it means to be alive or to have our consciousness continue on after and then, you know, even before. So that dream brought up a lot of questions uh, for me about these, it seems like they're bookends right? Announcing dreams and grief dreams, but maybe, maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not really bookends. Maybe it's part of a, a bigger circle, a continuum. Yeah. And you look at like, what would the, the purpose be, right? What's, what's the whole goal in all this and, or in some of them, right? Cause it's hard to, there's so many different kinds, you know, negative, positive and all the in-betweens. Mm -hmm, um, but mm -hmm. the one thing I remember your research saying was that there was this bond that can be developed because people have these positive dreams with their baby, their unborn baby. And there's a bond being right. developed before the actual birth. And I think that is for me, well, you need bonds for cult, for the society to exist, for, you know, cultures to maintain. Cause if you didn't have that, well, bond, that. right, you're polar bears and you're just like doing your own thing afterwards or turtles, right? Turtles leave their young. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. right. Just all turtles trying to find our way. But that bond, <laughs> humans, like they need that. They need that parental guidance. And to have that, I think it really draws people closer together. And then at the end of life, that's a bond thing too, continuing bonds. It's a big thing. And it allows us to just shift the way to shift our grief from that we can still have some sort of connection with them. It's not all gone and spiritual or not. I believe that you see people are both having. So uh, I believe these announcing dreams are still ha happening, even if people aren't spiritual. Um, Cause I know that that's what's happening with these very positive comforting dreams uh, afterwards. So why would it be any different from before? So I think, yeah, it's a bond. I think that is, I think the, maybe the goal in all this. Yeah, right. Um, it really kind of speaks to the, you know, evolutionary perspective. I found in my research that that was almost number one, the bonding and connection uh, that, that would arise from these dreams. For some, they alleviated anxiety. Others, they brought anxiety. But the bond and connection was pretty primary. And also, in addition, uh, the confidence. 
Hmm. So some mothers would talk about, I know who my baby is. Um, I'm going to take better care of my body. And these were just some general generalizations, but I know who my baby is. I'm going to take better care of myself. Um, uh, I, I, I'm going to be an okay mother after all even though I don't have uh, lots of money or things, or for some women, and it was even though I'm single, I can make this work. Some even canceled uh, uh, appointments, medical appointments for uh, termination. I, I found that a couple times as well. And I said, oh, that's a real powerful dream because that, that's a really huge medical decision. And so... Yeah, yeah. So the bonding connection, yeah, is really key because exactly we, we like you said, we need that to survive. Without it, you know, what what would we do? So to have um it even bring hope, like one woman I recall was trying to conceive for a while, really wanted to start a family very deeply. And she was given a uh you know, lots of mixed feelings about her announcing dream because it happened before conception and part of her didn't quite quite trust the dream but eventually when she she did conceive it was a it was a relief and in that dream she saw a very large sized baby so it was a baby but huge and uh it just leaned over her he or he was a male um leaned over her and said i'm coming these these types of dreams really really vary but the connection or the relationship can start that that early. And in my and that's, you know, with announcing dreams. And then I'll just kind of add in my own experience on the other on the other end of the continuum with grief dreams. Uh even to this day, uh I have grief dreams or what some have called visitation dreams, depending on your orientation. I've I've had those with people who've uh family members who've been deceased for over twenty years. And so it's interesting how some dreams can come early and some dreams can come late, but they can still come, you know? Yeah. How did you, I'm curious how you got started in dreams. Cause for me, it was never valued in my family. It was actually feared. And so like, how did that go for you? Like, cause it seems like you love the topic and <laughs> we could talk about it for hours. So where did this passion and love come from? Was it your own dream that sparked it? Or did someone like talk to you about dreams? Well, you know, I, I do remember dreams from when I was a kid, but I can't say, and I had a couple interesting experiences that I now believe were maybe what some would call out-of-body experiences, but it, hard to say. That's just now upon reflection after I learned what that might be. And and again, that makes the assumption that you can leave a body. So. I'll just refer to them as OBEs for now, but there's other ways to talk about this phenomena. And so for me, I had a few experiences, but nothing real heavy. I wasn't a childhood lucid dreamer like so many others. And it was not devalued in my family, but it wasn't valued. Death, though, was talked about. I come from a you know, primarily Italian-American family. And uh, death is, wasn't something we shied away from, but dreams necessarily were not, definitely not at the forefront. And it was just in my own searching uh, as, you know, as a young adult where I came across a group of people, and this was at the time around 2004 in Berkeley, California, 
that were uh, oriented toward mysticism, a Gnostic uh, type of mysticism. And I thought, hey, they're offering free classes. What do I have to lose? And so I started taking those classes and uh, I, I just really liked how they approached the subject. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't preachy or uh, driven on faith. It was definitely um, driven by gnosis or direct experience. And they got me back into meditation. I had been into meditation before because I began that with Tai Chi, started getting into meditation when I was 18. But they um, started to encourage some things that I already knew about and then other things that I had no awareness of. And through those trainings and the practices and everything, I started to have my first lucid dreams and, again, what would some would call out-of-body experiences. And, again, they were not spontaneous. They were at will through the practices. And those experiences in 2004 and 2005 shifted my entire um, belief system and understanding about consciousness and that there is an awareness that is like nothing I had ever, ever expected or understood. And that, that's what got me off on this. When you, I'll add to that, when you dive into some of these types of things, some people just kind of show up. It's kind of like coincidental, coincidental, you know, some people just show up and start sharing their experiences with you. You didn't ask. It's just like, wow, you know, and, and so, and here, and here I go back to my cousin sharing announcing dreams with me and, and then others. And I just started to kind of dig into this and that continued me on this path of dreams. So it came from those two different places from storytelling more recently and then um, before that, through uh, experiences that were, you know, rooted in mysticism. So very, it was very interesting. That is interesting. I always love people's like the journeys people take and how they learn what they learn because it's 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 just it's fascinating to me because we all have different stories. And so I'm glad you uh, right. you found your found your way in a different way too. Like I could ask a lot of questions about you know what happened there and. Um, those experiences, but I just don't want this to be eight hours. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to move forward to, you said you had these, you know, dreams of the deceased. So what was that? Like, when were, did those occur? And what was that relationship like prior to the individual's death? Oh, well, I've had, I've had dreams with uh, the deceased for a long, long time. Yeah, maybe close to a couple decades, at least. And they've been with different, various individuals. They've been with people who are more like acquaintances, strangers, and mostly relatives, which I love those dreams because I, I um, you know, came from a really large family where I had known some of my relatives that were great, great, great aunts. Some had lived to be 101. So you might, you know, great grandmother. So it was, it's so great, you know, many of my grandma's cousins. So it was so great when they would come back in dreams because they were highly nurturing, um, amazing women in my physical life, you know, as a child. And then to have them come back in dreams uh, was, is, is, I'll say, because it continues to happen. I even had one this month in August and, and um, it's really, really touching. Highly, I highly value it. And I try to, let them know because I have a, a shrine to them set up in my home. And if maybe, for example, they give me a red rose in a dream, 
I may then go place a red rose on the shrine in this physical, you know, this waking state. And so, yeah, I've, I've had dreams with, oh, well, I'll tell you one, well, it was a, a couple dreams I had. Um, this was with a stranger was uh, with Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> that was the weirdest. I'm reading his book right now. I had. Oh, okay. And I was surprised because, yeah, I thought his parts unknown, um, you know, series was pretty awesome. And I respected him for how he really humanized all cultures. You know, I really, so I had, res- you know, respect for him. But I didn't read his books. I wasn't a follower. I'm not into the all the, you know, cooking stuff. So it, it was surprising when I started dreaming uh, with him. And I had my first dream with Anthony Bourdain shortly after he died. And I asked him. I, I made reference. I was lucid in it and, and made reference to his death. And so that, that was really interesting. Um, had one later. Uh, well, hold cannot, on, hold I'm on. still trying to understand it today. Oh. oh. Hold on. So what happened? What did he say in the back? What was going on? You yeah. can't skip over this <laughs> no. stuff. Oh, okay. Loosely okay, gloss well, over the, the juicy bits. <laughs> this was pretty cool, actually. Um, so the ones with, I'll just say, the ones with family and acquaintances are sweet, you know. But the ones with a stranger that I did not expect were pretty powerful for me. I just was like, what is going on when I woke up? So I'm still to this day scratching my head about these. So that first one, um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was the first one. I, I have to look in my dream journal to be 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it was the first one where I'm in some type of building and he's on a stage, I think talking about one of his books or something. And I think I try to buy one. I mean, the dream starts off kind of weird before I get more lucidity. But then I go to the back of where of this of this building where he is. And people are leaving. It's like he had just given a book talk or something. I don't know. And I sit down and order a pizza. And so he 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 ends up at my table. I don't remember if I asked him or if he just walked up. That part I don't recall without looking at my notes. But uh, we end up at the same table. And I think, how do I start a conversation with this guy? And and um, I I offer him some pizza. So we're eating pizza together. And I say surely you've had better pizza than this <laughs> because of who he is, right? And then I start talking to him about my experiences in Italy when I lived there and uh, traveling through Napoli or, or Naples and the pizza there. So we're having this conversation about about pizza. And then I shift and go, hmm, you know, it's really it's really a shame what happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him pretty direct in the eyes now. And he gets a, a very sad, look and looks looks down um had i known we were gonna talk about this i would have had the dream out so i could read it to you exactly but uh i i still recall it pretty well because i'm still mystified by that dream and the ones that followed so um yeah that was pretty much the gist of it i woke up with a sense that i mean he like i don't know it's like i woke up with a sense like he was disappointed in himself. He didn't necessarily want to die. I don't really understand around, you know, the the, the circumstances of his death. Because again, I wasn't really following this guy. I just watched some of his parts unknown series. I didn't I didn't follow it. But 
but I did know enough to when I heard about his death that I said, oh, that, you know, that's really sad. You know, that, that guy was pretty awesome and then had this dream soon after. Yeah. And uh, just to clarify, did, did he, he kill himself? Well, I think that's my understanding. A little controversy um, around that. Yeah. There is controversy around it. There's rumors I've heard, but I just thought, you know, I'm just going to stay out of it. I don't know. You know, we, we're not going to really know what's true. So um, I figure I could just ask him in the dream state. Yeah, but that's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's pretty interesting to have that dream and also to have, to have you ask that question. Very interesting. Yeah, then I, I had some others, but they're, they're pretty intense and definitely involve, uh, I'll just say, some heavier and definitely shamanic elements that I will, um, those ones maybe I won't share for this podcast, but at a, maybe another time. Holding out on us. All right. We'll have to get you back on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, so, I'm going to hold out on some, on some of those dreams, especially <laughs> ones that are so deeply personal that I'm trying to figure out what they mean for um, my own existence. Hmm. Well, say like you really, the more you expand your mind, the more these dreams will change to try to help you expand it and mm -hmm. sort of see where you are in life. And that's what I love. And so a lot of people say like your belief system and where you are at, that's what really comes through in different ways, especially with what the deceased says to some people, um, can really expand mm -hmm. people's understanding of who they are, what their belief system and their structure and the models they have of life. And that's what I love about it. I remember this one guy told me, I was at a conference and he said, I always believed like there was heaven and hell. And, she, and he's like, my dad was, he should have went to hell. But then I had this dream where he was there. He was pleasant. And we had a chat. He's like, now I don't believe in hell. I was like, I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> like that easy? He's like, but it felt so different. It felt so real. He's like, so then I had to change yeah. my belief structure on what life was like afterwards. And he said it helped him with forgiveness, helped him with a lot of different things. I was like, wow. And this, but like at the time, he probably wouldn't have shared that. But because he really worked on that aspect of himself, he could confidently share the dream and confidently share what happened afterwards. So I think it's great. And I'm glad that you're in a position where you're continuing to learn through these dreams that you're having. Now, shifting to the relative dreams, have you had any dreams of eating with them? Or is this just a Bourdain kind of kind of dream <laughs> eating oh i'd have to look back i've had so many um with with regard to my deceased relatives um i remember you know i've had dreams where we are in a park setting uh, on a train they have they enter and exit on different doors than i do so i found that interesting yeah park setting um the most recent one, we were in a diner. I don't necessarily call us eating, but we were uh, in one of those diner booths, you know, that are in the corner. It's like they kind of have that vinyl covering on those benches that are semi-circular. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about in, the, in like a in an old school diner. Oh, yeah. And that was my most recent one and had both deceased and living relatives there. You know, I'm sure. I'm sh Yes, actually. I'm sitting here really going back in my memory. Uh, one I remember where we were, it was a long table, but it was outside. So it was like we were dining, but not indoor. Somehow it was like almost on the street, like what you would see today with COVID and everything, where people in some counties are eating outside. Uh, so it was like that. Um, 
so yeah, dining, dining has come up, but I, I was really resonating with the, the last uh, experience you shared for, from the man's dream about heaven and hell, because these kinds of dreams can really, really shift us, especially when they're extremely vivid and feel just as real as day-to-day life. And that, I think, is a really important point because some dreams feel really ordinary and mundane and we may go, oh yeah, of course, that dream makes sense. It really feels like the daily residue that I was just thinking about all day long and stressed out about all day long. And then other dreams have a different quality and that's really hard to measure. You know, it's a potency and a quality that one often can't explain or measure, but internally we know the felt sense. It's completely different. And that's, and those are the dreams that I'm really paying attention to for my own evolution and my own growth is what is that, that quality? Um, the most recent dream with a deceased, you know, no, it was not the most recent because that was in the diner I referenced. It was the one prior to that. I could smell them and feel them, you know, like how you can sometimes hug, hug someone and you can feel a little bit of the bones in their back or their shoulder blades. Like I could, I could smell them and I could feel feel them uh, and noticed also the texture of the clothing. So those were my, you know, two recent that the one in the diner was more kind of visual and the other one was definitely more sensory. And they can be so powerful and potent that definitely it's very possible that even one dream will shift how we view the world. And I found that to be true with announcing dreams as well. That one dream would lead a woman to have such conviction in her decisions and beliefs to um, even cancel, like I said, medical appointments. And, and then with the deceased, it can go the same way where now we're like, okay, we're very convinced that there's something after we leave this physical body. One way I try to understand, let's say more, or get a deeper sense of the meaning behind some things when I want to see it reflected back to me or I need to externalize it is to do a a little bit of art around it. And when I say art, you don't have to be an artist, you know, you just need to be uh, free and allow yourself uh, the freedom to to sketch or color or draw or even collage. putting the, you know, dream together on a, you know, cardboard with magazine cutouts. Those types of externalizations for me really help. They help me remember, but they also help me see something a little different about the dream or take it a step further. So that that's, um, I know you didn't ask me about dream work, but I did want to share that that can be really helpful. So for some of your dreamers listening that might want to um, take it, a step further, maybe collaging or sketching or just kind of getting some crayons out and coloring what they remember. And you can use stick figures, you know. It still helps you see the arrangement and placement of where the deceased loved one is, where uh, what you might see around the scene. And to get that on paper, it's a way to keep a record or in a way a visual dream journal because some people don't always like to log their dreams verbatim, you know. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And I think, yeah, we talk dreams a lot, but there's also sort of this dream work. And I think that's amazing that 
know, you, you brought it up and you do that, I'm guessing within your practice too, and your workshops, you're teaching people how to work with their dreams. And that's one thing our culture is lacking because it's just like, who do you, we, we're not taught in schools about dreams in general, just the research, but then also how do, how do you work with dreams and how do you um, explore them and, and help them in your waking life? And so I'm curious right. now, um, with the pandemic mm -hmm. going on, how do you see either these announcing dreams or these grief dreams playing a part in what's going on now? Well, we all need, you know, healing and wholeness and, and you know, all of that good stuff at this time um, during this pandemic. And because people are... Some, some people are recalling dreams uh, at a greater frequency or even intensity. Maybe it's because they're sleeping more or for another or, or just not waking up by alarm as often or, or another factor. Uh, people seem to be recalling dreams that, you know, for people who, who might not recall so much, they seem to be recalling more and others are recalling dreams for the first time. So if we can remember our dreams more, whether they're announcing dreams or grief dreams, uh, any kind of dream, you know, it helps us learn a little more about ourselves and this, you know, uh, world we exist in. I like that. And I, I always wonder, like, are people having more, I'm like, they might be actually having more positive dreams of the deceased that are comforting them in this time of distress. I know that's what the research I've done has shown for the most part and so like you they're probably having more anxiety dreams in general just because it's just a crazy mm -hmm. world out there but just like when the deceased is in it it's interesting how they can bring that comfort and so i'm thinking because so many people are more distressed for so many more reasons right not just you know like the loss of someone but also you know financial loss loss of identity loss of so much stuff with the pandemic i wonder if they're having more of these positive dreams to keep them on track right I don't know. I would but, wonder too. Yeah. I, I can't I can't answer that question, but I, I would wonder too. Yeah, really, really good questions. I haven't done current research uh in twenty twenty to um get into that, but I know there are others out there like Dr. Deirdre Barrett at Harvard. Uh, she's doing some really fascinating research on the you know, dreams during this pandemic. So there are people out there that we can look toward. To see, yeah, I know she's just, I know she collects a lot of just dreams in general. Um, so like mm -hmm. bugs are a big theme, and you know, that that was uh, one of her big things, or like the, the emotions surrounding it or the metaphors surrounding COVID. That was really interesting right. to, to know about because you're right, like, you know, what, what would a sort of COVID look like in a dream if everything's really done right. through pictures? And it's like, yeah, a swarm of bugs is pretty good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That is something bugs um, I, I know are, are pretty common, but there's so so many other things that the researchers in that area could give really thorough uh, responses. Yeah, I've heard a couple from people who um, were having more of them and they're mm -hmm. just hanging out with the deceased. And what's interesting is because I th they said anyways that they were feeling very lonely. It was a time that they felt mm -hmm. like so like it really help them in a time where they're isolated to feel loved and to feel supported so i thought oh interesting but anyway so uh, it's off topic a little bit but um, i'm curious you do have something else to do with dreams coming up 
And it's a DreamWorks Summit via the Shift Network, which is going to be airing October 13th to 16th. And you're going to be the host this year. How exciting is that? Really exciting. Yeah, I was um, just uh, so, so happy when they offered me the the host position. And uh, I'll also be uh, speaking about the things we're talking about today, about grief dreams as well. So I'm excited to host almost about a couple dozen uh, speakers on uh, dreams and dream work. It's because it's the dream work summit. And so anyone who who wants to learn about dreaming from various perspectives and ways people work with dreams, this will be, yeah, this will be a really awesome summit. And so, uh, yeah, that's coming up and I'm super excited. How do you prepare for something like that? Oh, (laughs) well, (laughs) you know, How do you prepare for a DreamWorks Summit or hosting it? All of it. <laughs> it's all of oh, it. Well, the, the Shift Network has an amazing team. I mean, it's, it's a full production, an amazing team of people that come together to make these types of summits happen. So the Shift ne- Network is just really um, uh, probably really interesting to look up, you know, on their own because they, they have some really wonderful offerings. And for this particular summit, because it's the first time I'm hosting, so I'm getting to know a little bit about the the behind the scenes. But yes, it's it's a, a a large team of professionals that make this summit happen. And then for me as the host, uh, you know, I'm I'm part of the process of of sending out some invites along with the entire team, and uh, they're scheduling the interviews that that I'll be um, I'll be giving. So. It's going to be really, I think, really insightful. I'm really looking forward to interviewing uh, such a large group of, you know, professional dream workers and psychologists and authors and uh, people, you know, who do shamanic practice. I mean, you you name it. So it's going to be really rich and diverse uh, around the area or the subject of dream work. Yeah, and you're going to be interviewing me, which is exciting. And I don't know if we're going mm-hmm. to be able to keep mm-hmm. it 30 minutes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we'll we'll have a little longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it's free for people if they uh, watch it that day, or they could pay for a package where they get access anytime. All right, so I'll provide the link for that in the show notes for people who want to check that out. At the end of the podcast, we always love to ask is if you could have a dream tonight of someone who has died it could be a relative it could be Bourdain again or another stranger um who would that be and what would that dream look like Ooh, that's a hard one because I have two answers I would love to have another dream tonight of deceased relatives so I could ask certain questions but even oh and I hesitate to say this but even more so I would like to have a dream tonight where Anthony Bourdain reappears so that I could ask him, why have you been in a few of my dreams? I can't understand his um, his role. I guess that's the best way to say it. I've been confused by his role in in a few dreams I've had where he's been present. And I'd love to know more about that. That's cool. That's interesting. Going I know that leads to mystery because I didn't share the real deep dream with you. That's so right. Yeah. I know that leaves some mystery. <laughs> um, but 
But uh, yeah, I, I'm very curious about why he's playing the particular role in my dream that he is. That's interesting. Yeah, I could just like hear him saying, why not you? You're interesting. <laughs> 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 you get me. Well, yeah. This, yeah, maybe. I mean, this particular dream involved snakes and snake bites and and dying in the dream. And it, it was really wild. So um, yeah, really trying to to understand that deeper. So I have a sketch and a collage and even the the audio recording because um, sometimes I don't just write the dream right away. I'll, I'll put it in my voice memo. So I have all that to help me out. But I, I would, to help me even more, I would love a dream where I can um, have some uh, lucidity and ask very specifically, please explain the role you've played and what I need to know about about that. Oh, that's cool. The other thing I think about too, because I was like placing errors in my head when people are vague with the <laughs> details. <laughs> Be like him saying, "Oh, that wasn't me," and then you <laughs> you wake up. Ah. <laughs> I think he, I I also think you should put a photo of him on your shrine and see if that oh, triggers mm. see if that triggers anything. Oh, uh, I could do uh, that. You know, again, idea. my shrine or is pizza. just you can put my, pizza there. my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think, yeah, you could, think your relatives would get jealous? Oh, be mad. Well, you know like, what? I'll get them out of here. One. Yes, mm. I'll create a separate one. I don't want any jealousy there. <laughs> but I'll, I'll create a separate sign. Oh, that's funny. And so uh, <laughs> I'm curious. So where do you want this dream to take place? He's been all over the world. Oh, oh anywhere is fine. That's a good question. Um, I'd be interested in why we were in a small Latin American village in the last dream i'd be i'd be interested in, in, in a, why we were there um mm, it could take place anywhere as long yeah. as i can ask why and it's funny in that dream because um i speak uh some italian and some spanish and those are probably yeah those are definitely my two best languages after english and in some of my dreams i'm speaking all three languages and i think maybe even a little french in one dream but anyway in this dream it's i was speaking in spanish and part of it and then back to English. And so um, that would be something I'd watch for too. Does Anthony Bourdain continue to communicate with me in English? Uh, and what language am I using as well? So yeah, it's, that, we'll that is actually, yeah, that's interesting because uh, I'm reading, like I said, I'm reading his book and he does have a little bit of a connection with Spanish. I think he did end up learning some Spanish. I know his background is mm. French, uh, but I think uh, growing up and working, he worked with a lot of Spanish people, so he ended up speaking Spanish. So that's very interesting. Oh. I think you should go back to Latin America, maybe one of those pyramids, maybe Chichen Itza or somebody over there. That would be awesome. And um, I didn't know that about him. So I'm glad you told me that because that could explain a little bit about why we were where we were in that in that uh, later dream. Hmm. That's really you interesting. I'll, I'll be thinking about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crop this episode up so with all those small details, we almost have that full dream that you had with the snakes. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. We just need a little bit more to actually have what we said. <laughs> it's, a pretty, it's a pretty long one and very um, intense. So um, yeah, no, that's and, fine. And also, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think my bias comes in to how I was trained, I guess, in this stuff, let's just call it, for lack of a better word where um, the notion, and, and it took me a long time to share dreams. I didn't share my dreams right away because when I learned this through a um, particular uh, group of, of mystics, uh, it was conveyed that dreams are just meant for you. 
in your higher consciousness, your higher self or, or the divine and that um, they're, they're meant for you as a guide and they're not to be shared. So for years and years, I didn't share, share my dreams and I was very vague about them. And to this day, I'm much more open, of course, you know, with <laughs> putting them in a book or on a blog. Yeah. Uh, much more open, but there's still some dreams that um, I don't share until I understand them more deeply uh, because I believe there's power in them. And I, I want to, you know, I really want to kind of keep that power. I, I want to understand it more. So I don't have a hard and fast rule or clarity around that piece, but that's something I'm still working through, which is, yeah, what's appropriate to share in a dream? So yeah, it's um, interesting talking about holding back dreams because in one culture mm -hmm. that torja i think that's how you say it people in indonesia what's interesting uh -huh. is if they, if they have a dream of the deceased providing them advice or a, uh, a gift or of some sort like um, in their dream they can't share it until they provide a, um, an offering to the individual to the deceased because if they share it and someone else can steal the blessing if they offer the deceased basically on a food before them. And so they keep it hidden until yeah. they actually get that done. So I thought that was interesting about like, but you know, where you're at too, it's like people are taught to keep it hidden. And so I always like to say too, like, until you know, right? Until it's comfortable or until yeah. you feel it's appropriate. And I don't share all my dreams on here, right? But right. Like, there are certain dreams that you, you know, they're more personal than others. And, you know, I, I, I shared the grief dream stuff because that's just, you know, why not? But there's other ones that, you know, it just takes the right moment and the right person to share that because you don't want to give all your gems to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you really, you know, you really want to sort of pick and choose on who's ready to hear those because people could judge you, all sorts of stuff. It's like, who's ready to hear them? And then that's the best time to be able to talk to someone about your dreams. And that's, I'm guessing, what you do as like in your practice is you hold really good space for people to explore their dreams that maybe they never thought of dreams in their in their everyday life and then you're you're showing them that it's safe to explore them and what what they can learn from them right yeah in, in my practice i definitely um hold that type of space and also just let them know that you know you don't you know you don't have to share every detail if it doesn't feel right and um maybe there's some dreams you don't want to share right now at all um that's not a requirement so yeah for me i do realize that this type of belief or behavior comes from uh, my own, you know, personal uh, orientation, which is, you know, a bit, a bit, you know, maybe not a bit, but probably full on <laughs> toward the spiritual. And so, um, again, with some of that Gnostic background um, or mystic background, um, yeah, there's some things you want to wait on. And it, it aligns kind of uh, well with something I learned from one of my teachers, Robert Moss, who, who reminded me that dreams require action. And that goes with what you shared, where first maybe an action should happen or needs to happen. But then what, yeah, you know, when do you share it? How far after that action do you share it at all? The, dreaming is also really personal. You know, it's a, it's a personal uh, experience for me so others might yeah. be feel very open with sharing all their dreams and others keep it pretty pretty private and that also aligns not just with some mystic background but being raised 
Roman Catholic with um, a father who is very uh, private and uh, inward with his spirituality um, as a Roman Catholic. And so I think that all of that influence just sat well. It was it was easy for me because that's how I was raised. You know, that that some of that inner stuff stays just with us and the the higher consciousness or the divine. Yeah, I think uh, I think the key is that, you know, you yourself are not dismissing them. And, you know, you obviously are doing your work into them and, and being uh, uh, exploring your own dream, which is that's fantastic. And I think that's the main key. You know, you're like a chef who doesn't want anybody to taste the food until it's done. And that's uh, <laughs> you know, going with the Bourdain analogy. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, then there's also interesting elements when we look at, you know, dreams and shamanism too. Like, what it what is it about? And it's just not with in, in with shamanism, but but this idea of uh, initiation processes and dreams. What's going What's going on? And uh, you know, alchemically. And again, you can get into that into the mystic literature and stuff. So so there's a lot a lot there, but that's a completely different topic. Yeah, I know just in like the grief dream stuff, I know some people who have dreams of their deceased spouse, they'll be having like sexual encounters with them. They're not sharing those dreams oh. all the time with me because it's very personal, right? Like I'm not asking so mm -hmm. like, you know, like what happened? Tell me details, right? Like, like those are the ones that you, mm -hmm. people tend to keep really close just because it's so personal. Mm -hmm. um, they may say it vaguely, but not the specifics. Like when we talk about dreams, a lot of times you go into specific details, what you're eating, you know, what the location, what, all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, you just have to, you know, whenever it's safe and whatever you feel comfortable with. But I think it's it's a benefit to talk about them in a culture that says they're they're not important. So if you can find meaning in your dreams, I think that's a great start because you're just going against the cultural trend. And hopefully that can change for people to then say, oh, I wonder if my dreams mean anything or I wonder if I could find meaning in my dreams. And that's the that's the key for me. And that's how I grew is because I started finding meaning in dreams. And then all of a sudden the conversation shifted rather than just telling a dream, but to actually tell the dream, but also share the meaning. And that connects people mm -hmm. to, I wonder if my dreams have meaning. And that's sort of like, I think the, uh, the path I'd love, I would love to see the culture go further in. Yeah, I agree. That's beautiful. All right. So we're Perfect. just wrapping, the, wrapping up the podcast. Where can people find you? Well, they can find me at my website, consciouschimera.com. And that's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S. Chimera is spelled C-H-I-M-E-R-A. So ConsciousChimera.com. You can find my services and a blog there, an upcoming retreat we're trying to do in 2021, if, if COVID will allow, we'll see, and lots of other information. So that's uh, the best place to reach me. And if someone wanted to dream about you, where can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> in one of the one of the multidimensional spaces in the dreamscape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this has been a, a great conversation. I feel like we could just talk for hours and I cut some some parts just short just because of that. But you have such a wealth of knowledge and such a beautiful base on expressing dreams and sharing dreams and also looking at sort of the uh, different aspects of dreams that many people just don't know about sort of like those announcing dreams it really uh spoke truth to me and and it opened up a world i didn't know about just with that sort of that that study you did so as much as you know when mm. you publish you don't really know if anyone reads it i read it and it's actually changing the way i'm writing my article because i was really going to talk about continuing bonds but now i'm bringing in what you're doing about maybe there's this connection with you know dreams after loss 
with the baby and dreams before loss and there's this bond right so i just want to know that you yeah. know you, you made a difference just in my life just with that one thing and now this conversation so i think you're pretty cool in what you Thank do you. and i'm glad you do what you do and i look forward to you interviewing me uh in a couple of weeks Yes, yes, so do I. And and thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad my work made a impact on you and and I do look yeah, look forward to connecting with you uh soon. Absolutely. Um so yeah, for our uh, platform you can check out griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Uh if you did want to contribute to the podcast, you can do so. There are links on our website. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. Um it's a great place to um Meet people, share your dreams, and hear more dreams of others. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, we'd like to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. Just myself, you have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.